Right, welcome to the mouthpiece. Today we have a very special guest. We're not in a studio, we're not doing it in any fancy way today. We're doing it on Zoom, like you should during a lockdown. And today we have the white rhino, Dave Allen. Dave, good to have you on. How's things been since retirement? Well, thanks for having me on. And uh been a great week, you know, no stress, not worrying about when the fight's coming up, not worrying about who's going to tweet about me or write on Instagram about me. It's very relaxed. It's been nice. No one, no one, no one's chasing me. No one's hunting me down. I've got to worry about sparring or anything or diet or not being fat or not worrying about getting on the scales and people laughing at me because I'm chubby. It's amazing. It's been great. I feel like you, the, it, maybe it's just me, but I feel like you got in better shape as your career went on. You, you kind of you retired when you looked at your physical peak. Yeah, possibly, but. Uh, you know, I played the game for so long. I, I took fights against the best fighters in the world, you know, without training the day for them. And um, I thought I was going to be young forever. And it turns out that, you know, I'm not. And, uh, yeah, the damage accumulated. And I just thought, you know, well, let's get out now while I'm safe. And I do look well, you know, and that'll, that helps in other areas of my life, not just the boxing. So, uh, so, yeah, I'm happy with my lot. Why, do you, why did you start training uh so much better as things went on. Was it the trainers that you had or was it just you being like, fuck me, i got to take it a bit more seriously? Uh, well, early in my career, like I said, I thought I was going to be young forever, you know. So from being 20 to 23, I was watching journeyman, you know. I felt like I could beat him with one hand tied behind my back. Then I got a draw with a Bulgarian fella. I got a draw with someone that was one, one and one. Newcastle Arena, you know, and I was told it was useless. So I said, all right, I'll box him. I won't train. Anyway, it turned out it was half decent and I got a draw. So I went and trained with Peter Fiore for a fight, got fit, got a good win. And then I thought, I don't need to train again. And then so I got beat by Dylan White. I thought, I need to get fit. But then after that fight, I didn't train for five months to watch Luis Ortiz. And then I thought, I need to get fit. And then for some reason, I went and put more weight on and boxed again. So I just never really, I, I'm just, uh, I'm an eccentric guy, as you know. I just, uh, I could never, I could never commit to it fully. My, my brain would never allow me to commit for for one reason or another. I mean, it's crazy that you say that. You've obviously got a like a, a natural knack for it and a natural athleticism for boxing. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning. Why and how did you get into boxing? Well, I went for uh, went to school on GCSE Results Day, and I'm expecting a star. This is going to surprise a lot of people, but I was a smart kid. So I'm expecting A's and A stars, and I turned up and I got three, I got an A and two C's, and said, so "You're not coming to sixth form; you ain't going to college." So I said, "I said, well, what am I going to do then? Like, what's the plan? I'm going to chase women around sixth form, and that was the plan for two years. Go to uni, chase them for another three years, and then fall into some kind of job. But uh, that was took away from me. So I played football. I was all right, but I was never going to. I was never going to play in the football league. So I was never going to make a proper good living out of it." Uh, I was good at other sports, but not at the pro level. And I said, well, boxing's the only thing that I've not tried. My dad was a pro, so how hard can it be? And obviously, I did it in the end. But if I'd known how hard it was, I'd, just, I'd, I'd have never done it. Never, ever, ever. So, um, I luckily just went to the gym one day, the boxing gym. I knocked three men out on the first day. Three grown men, chinned them all at 16. And, and I thought, oh, this is, this is all right. And obviously, uh, I just asked, look at it, and, and did all right. So did you leave school at at sixteen? Then did you did you just think fuck it once once you found boxing? Yeah, I left school at sixteen and uh, I went home 
and I said to my mum, what do you want me to do? And she said, you have to get a job. And I said, I'm 16 years old. It's not 1943. I said, I ain't getting a job at 16. I said, what do you think I am? So went to the boxing gym. You know, I, I, like I said, I was having a lot of success there. I went home, said to my dad, I want to be a boxer. He laughed at me. Uh, but he came to watch me, said there's something there. And uh, I was given £43 a month by my mum for a bus pass. Uh, so I get the bus and the train. If I want me dinner, she said, you can sort your own dinner. I said, shoplift me dinner every day from Brookfield, stop a French gate. It was 12 years ago. They can't arrest me for it now, surely. So uh, I, had to, I had to find ways of uh, making money and, and so I could eat and stuff. But uh, I was given £43 a month and that's all I had, you know. So I uh, I used that to get the bus and the train and bought anything else. I either, I either went without or I had to use my entrepreneurial skill, let's call it, to get it. So, yeah, it was fun. Seems harsh, though, if you get an A and, and a couple of Cs, that you don't make it into six. Oh, that's all kind of systems that. You need five, five A to Cs, you need. Oh, yeah, three. you do. Yeah, yeah you do. So, you need five A to Cs. I, uh, school, like I said, I've always thought, I'm still 12 in the head now. I'm still 12 in the head, so I never grew up. I just thought I'd be 12 forever, and it turns <laughs> out that now I'm 28. I'm not going to be 12 forever. You say that, but you're pretty... You, I know you're childish in, in, in some ways, but... You're very open and you're sort of very mature in, in, in a lot of other ways. Like I think boxing, even whatever part of boxing you're involved in, it forces you to grow up pretty fast because it's it's essential it's essentially brutal fact of life boxing. Is that is that something that came to you once you got into boxing? Was it like the harsh reality of what life was or did you did you understand that before? Well, yeah, as a kid, life life wasn't easy for me growing up. You know, I my, my dad's a lunatic. Uh, we never had nothing. My mum and dad never drove. Um, I used to have Tuesday off school to go and kill animals with my dad to eat. You know, it wasn't easy. So life wasn't easy. So I'm very childish in some ways, and I live like a child. You know, my house has got a match. I've got a mattress and a TV in my living room. I don't use the top flight. I don't use the top uh, the top rooms in my house. Not interested in that. I don't really do much at all. I watch YouTube all day. So I'm still 15 in the head, but. When things get serious, you know, I, I, my life's been pretty serious from a young age. So, when the, when it's time to switch on, I can switch on. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty savvy in business because I've had to be the last couple of years. I managed myself for two years through the prize fight, the brown fights, the headline in the hotel. I was managing myself, so I got pretty, I got pretty smart, and I was around. You know, you get smart being around smart people. You know, being around smart, successful people, that kind of rubs off on you if you if you listen and willing to learn. So I think. I think I learned a lot from the likes of Eddie Ayn and Darren Barker and just successful people I've been around for the last 10 years. So I think, I think I've picked up and learned from him, but I do still live on my matches in my living room, yeah. Because it's hard to be a boxing manager fucking for anyone. It is actually, people say, what do they do? But there is a job to do there to make sure that you navigate. So I can imagine if you had any sort of success with that, that's pretty, it's impressive at your age. Was that, was that difficult there when talk sort of negotiating your own purses and in the end, did you just think, oh, I don't want to do this? Well, I, I turned pro at 20 after 10 amateur fights. No one knew who I was. So I got to, I got to seven fights undefeated. I had a contract dispute and I went my own way. And, um, and up and the, I've been boxing at this point, amateur and pro for seven years, and I've probably made probably made five thousand pounds in seven years. I had no other income. I was just I had a girlfriend at the time, and she had a good job, and she was looking after me. But it wasn't great. I didn't feel like a man to be honest. So I said to her, I said I'm gonna I said, I'm gonna make this work. I said let's see. Let's, I said what's what happens now? I'm gonna I'm gonna get smart. So 
I ended up having a few fights with someone else and I started managing myself. And I started really pushing the social media. At first, I wasn't doing it on purpose. I was just being, I was just going on there and being myself. And I thought, you know what? I can create a little niche here. Like, luckily, I am a fucking lunatic. Like, I am a bit mad in the head and I do mad things. So the stories I tell, luckily, they're all true. But I thought, you know what? Let's just be myself. Let's just turn the dial up a little bit. You know, the white rhino is, is Dave Allen, but just turned up a little bit. So I did that and I started a niche and then I thought, so you did, consciously, you did consciously turn it up a bit then? You did. I turned, up a few, I turned the dial up a little bit, yeah. Because anyone that knows me, they know I'm a bit mad, but they know I'm quite sensible as well. And, you know, I do I do, do some mad things, you know. And uh, But like I said, I'm, I'm a very open book as well at the same time. So um, I, tell, I told these stories. My Twitter started blowing up. I've got Instagram, loads of followers. You know, I started getting big fights, you know, and uh, people started to like me. And all of a sudden, I, I've gone from making £5,000 in in seven years to watch on Sky every couple of months and, and the money was, wasn't great but I was starting to make a living out of it. Not from nothing. I was, I, the most thing I'm most proud of is I went from a kid with no amateur background to a kid that headlined the O2 and made loads of money. That, yes, well, no, it's, no one else has ever done that before. Yeah. And, and your what, dad... What? Sorry, go on. No, go, go for it. Go, go on. So your dad, your dad, you said your dad was a boxer. But yep. you said obviously he's a lunatic or whatever. Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean he was any help? Does that was his experience was any help? Or was it was it just was he just his career so different to yours or what you wanted to do that it, it just it wasn't relevant? My dad was uh, in England International back in the seventies, you know, he, he was a he was a top class fighter, thirty pro fights. My dad's a lunatic in the sense of, you know, my child was mad, you know, the police would be around every every few weeks and he'd, he'd be in trouble, do you know what I mean? My dad is what he, my dad my dad is mad in the head, but it wasn't for him the boxing. He 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 was my first coach really. You know, I was at the Ingle Gym, but I would train my dad every day. If it wasn't for my dad, I would never have done anything, you know. And I never listened to any of his advice. And as I get older, I think I wish I listened to my dad, because he was right about half my mates being dicks. He was right about half the birds that I brought home, and then he was right about half the choice I made. I got offered a place on the Great Britain uh, Development Amateur Squad. You know, to be an understudy to Joe Joyce and Fraser Clark at the time, it was 2012-2016 system, tried to get me on to send fights. So, I'd have to stay on there. I should have probably done that. I should have probably not took the Dylan White fight when I did. So, over time, I've learned that my dad, while he is a lunatic, you know what, with experience, more often than not, he was right. Yeah, nothing beats experience. Nothing beats it at all. It's crazy because everybody knows who Dave Allen is now. Yeah. But a lot of people still believe that the best Dave Allen was never seen on TV screens and it yeah. was actually in the gym. Yeah, again, it comes down to experience. I've retired after having 35 fights, amateur and pro, you know, which is crazy, really. I started my first fight, I was amateur for, for uh, I think my amateur career, I had two fights, a little bit of time off. I, I had like ten, eight amateur fights inside of seven months and that was it. So that was my amateur career, turned pro, 25 fights in, in seven years and then retired. I had 35 fights, which is nothing. Mm. I trained Danny Morell, the kid. He had 50 amateur fights at 17, then turned pro. He's had more fights than me before he was 16 and had my whole amateur and professional career, you know? So when I did spar, numerous world champions have sparred and turned them over in the gym. But if I boxed him in the ring, I wouldn't have, <laughs> they'd have probably stopped me in a couple of rounds. It was just experience walking to the ring, you know? I think... Now I train fighters, when they spar open, I get in there and I like the referee because it takes your peripheral vision. The third man in the rings is a big is a big thing. 
you know, in terms of your peripheral vision and stuff like that. So there's loads of things, uh, there's loads of things I would have done differently. But but part of the appeal with, of Dave Allen was the fact that he didn't give a fuck and he just wanted to jump in yeah. where, whenever, wherever. And that's really what gave you sort of such a quick rise. You know, you look at other fighters and at 28, they might still be fannying around yeah. and not bothering with, with fights and, and, and hoping for the big one. The, the, the appeal was, with you is, yes, it might have made your career shorter, but you've gone yeah. in with both feet and it's been massive. And so to regret it, maybe that's not the same Dave Allen that everyone knows. No, yeah. do you know what I mean? If I wanted to be, if I was managing me, if I was starting again and managing myself, I would look to, would I, I, I think I could have had a, I could have had a more successful career, I could have won titles, could have done this, could have done that. But the way I did it, I don't regret anything. I don't even regret Tony Oka being within an inch of my life. I don't regret it at all. I don't regret the prize fight. I don't regret, I don't regret being in brothels instead of the gym. I don't regret going to brothels the night before a big fight. I don't regret any of that because that's, that's me. That, that's me. You did it before before a big fight. And I was I wasn't active in the brothel, but I was in the brothel partying away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've, 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 lived, I've lived my career is so crazy. I'm, I'm 28 years old, and from being 20 to 28, I was a professional athlete. But I was never professional. Never, never, ever. I, some I. I the stories we're hopefully going to bring a book out and you and because the stories are crazy you know the career is i've not been a world champion but if you knew i spoke to jamie moore and i was going to train him, was like dave tell me about how you prepare for fights and he says you should never even won a single fight in your career the fact you've done what you've done is amazing because uh, <laughs> i've done some mad things in my time because of that you obviously work um with with kids that have behavioral issues do you feel like because you are you are that kid, you identify yeah. better with, with that kid? Yeah, you know, when I was twenty when I was twenty two, I worked in a pupil referral unit. So I got actual yeah. hands-on experience working in a school with these kind of kids. So I was working with them and uh, you know, you can try and teach these kids English, maths and science. They're not interested. They're not interested at all. You know, you used to do PE, table tennis, play football, it was great. They'd listen and they start to listen to you as well. So Around that time with the boxing, I thought, you know what, give it a couple of years and I'll start training kids as well. And uh, so now I've got, I've got a stable of about six fighters, you know, a few professionals, a few amateurs. But the amateur kids, um, I don't care about the boxing. Boxing's a tool I use to keep them out of trouble. You know, with lockdowns over, before lockdown and after lockdown, we have to train twice a day. They have to report to me and they have to behave or they're not going to train, you know, and that's how it is. And, and, uh, and and over the next couple of years, you know, I hope to expand that. I hope to, I hope to do what Brendan Ingle did in Sheffield. Let's do that in Doncaster. That that's the dream. I guess not even a plan. It's the dream. I want to get anywhere near what Brendan did. One percent of what he, that's what I want to achieve. So, yeah, I guess I I I, I have been that kid. I have been that uh, that naughty kid. You know that kid that's been in trouble. So he does make the job easy, and, and I know I know how they feel, and and that's what I think. Not just training fighters, but. The natural progression for me now is training fighters and also working with uh, with the kids that I once was. Yeah. Do you no. think? Go on. Oh, sorry. Go on. Go on. I hate this lagging Zoom stuff because yeah. I've got to speak. You got to speak. No, you take it. Take the floor. Just gonna say, you're so transparent, Dave. You, you know, you're so open, and you you are as on social media. You are online. Was there ever conversations in your head where it was like, should I? Shouldn't I? Uh, should I be this guy? Should I should I hide certain things? At what point did you know? 
a lot of a lot of especially young fighters i don't think they have the confidence to be themselves in the public yeah. arena and that's one thing that some world champions have some don't but you are completely yourself and you've never had a problem with being yourself where where's that come from but also yeah have you have you ever had you know doubts in your mind for people watching that that aren't sure about throwing themselves completely into something what would how how did you do it well you know um a few years ago, I, when I had Twitter, I used to write tweets out and delete them all the time because it was always too far. You know what I mean? A lot of the stuff I used to think, no, nah, I can't do that. But the transparency comes from, uh, that's just who I am. I've always been the same, you know. I, I want to shit myself outside on bargains. The first thing when I got home was put it on Instagram and tell everyone because I know everyone would find it funny, you know. I've got, no, <laughs> I've got no shame in anything I've ever done because whatever I've done in my life, I did it at that point for whatever reason I wanted to do it. So... Whatever I've done, I've done it. If I've ever done anything illegal, you know, you wait 10 years and it gets shook off the record, it's fine. That's how I tend to deal with things like that. So, um, but... Uh, but, even, but even with things like depression and even yep. with behaviour and even like things like where you're... You, even even in your early 20s, you were, yep. you were pretty open with what you were going through. That That is a difficult thing for a lot of people. But for you, you you're, pretty, you're pretty open about things. Is that, is that a conscious decision? No, that word consciousness. And I, I remember the first time um, I spoke to Sky, I was 24, I pulled out of the fight, and uh, the reporter room said, Why pull out the fight, Dave? And, uh, you know, at the time I was counselling, I was seeing specialists, you know, uh, I think it was a year prior, I, I actually, it was a, an actual suicide attempt. I did actually try and kill myself at that time. There was other times where, you know, it was more of a like, uh, I need a bit of help. Do you know what I mean? Because I wasn't fully. I wasn't fully telling people that I've got a few problems, you know what I mean? But uh, I think it was, it was about a year. It was about a year after, and Sky rung me, and Sky said, uh, "Why is the fight off? You know what I mean? Why, why is the fight off?" And I said, "Look, I'm, I just said to myself, I'm seeing this person, I'm, I'm depression, you know, and and uh, and, I, and I just told him, and it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it was a weight off my shoulders. When I came out of it, I said, "Look." Problems that we you know with my loved ones and my friends, A, B, and C. This is this. I've got this. This is why I'm like this. You know, this is why I'm David one day and the next I'm Dave. You know, David's a really nice guy. Dave wants to fucking kill you. So uh, I sound like Alan Babbage now. But uh, but no, you know, David and Dave is how I always used to, my partner at the time, she'd say, There's David and there's Dave. David's really nice. Dave's a fucking lunatic. So, so when I come out and start telling people about these things, it was like a weight off my shoulders. You know, it was at that point I was I was I was 24, and then and then I was always an open book. But when that came out, I could start being myself. You know, people understood why I was like what I was like, and uh, when I wouldn't turn up for for things, and people think I was rude. You know, it, after that, like my whole life changed when I when I just said to everyone, "Look, I'm sorry, but this is what I'm like, and this is why I'm like this. This is why I'm like I feel like this sometimes." You know, I had a bad gambling problem. I never had no shame in that. You know, addiction addiction is horrific, whether it's drink, drugs, gambling, whatever. Mine was gambling. I was horrific at it. I have no shame in it. It got old of me. There's a reason people say you do drink. I don't drink, never drink, never smoke, never do drugs, because I've got a very addictive personality. And if I drank or smoked or did drugs, I do to the extreme hard of gambling. And there's no shame in any of them. So anyone watching that feels like, you know what, I have got a problem with drink, gambling, smoking, drugs. There's no shame in it, you know? I believe everyone's got an addiction to something. Uh, 
be it good or bad. Some people are addicted to working hard. Some people are addicted to, to bad stuff. But there's no shame in it. I feel no shame in that. So that was an easy thing to come out with, about. But yeah, I'm an open book. I always was. But when I came out about you know depression and and other, and, and other things, certain things that I suffer with, pe people, I, I became a total open book and totally transparent from that point on. Is do you, I, I feel like you are on one shoulder, you've literally got the devil saying, tweet that madness yeah. and be the white rhino, be outrageous. And then you've got the sensible one saying, no, just hold on, pull back. And I feel like that's part of the reason that people find you quite endearing, you know, yeah. for, for other people, you know, being a lunatic can be quite um, intimidating, you know, and, and, and not nice to be around and not nice to look at. But when it comes packaged as Dave Allen, it looks and feels differently. Do, do you feel like you get maybe more benefit of the doubt than other lunatics out there? Yeah, probably. Because when I went, when I saw a psychiatrist once, she said to me, she went, you're a danger only to yourself, David. You know, you're not a bad... And I thought, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to hurt nobody else. I was always hurting myself. I was about self-harming as well at the time. And uh, that resonated with me. I don't, don't want to hurt anyone. I'm a lunatic, but a lovable one. Lovable lunatic is what I would probably be called. But, um, but yeah, like I say... Um, People warm to me because everyone's the same. Everyone, everyone's problems at all times, you know. Mine comes and goes. Mine peaks and troughs. Some days on top of the world, you know, and the, and the next day, I think, I think the world's caving in on me, you know, for no reason as well. That's the most confusing thing. It just happens for no reason. But everyone's the same. So I think people look to me and thought, I, I am your average 20-odd-year-old in Britain. I am because everyone's got problems. Everyone's got some form of addiction. Everyone, everyone, everyone has some kind of upset. Everyone has some kind of problem. Uh, one, everyone's got a big right hand and a good chin, and that's all I had, really. <laughs> you know, that's in boxing. That's what I had. And people looked at me and thought, "That's my mate Dave boxing tonight," because they could, they could, uh, they could resonate with what I was saying. I was feeling, and people always say, "What was your best night in boxing? Was it Lucas Brown? Was it Nick Webb?" No, it was when they were singing the only one, David Allen. Because that's what I went into boxing for. I got into it because A, I didn't want to wear nine to five, but B, I wanted people to like me. That's all I ever wanted. And I've never been happy in that because I finally feel like I've been accepted by, you know, A, me old man, which is why it was the most important, but B, fucking, I feel like everyone just likes me, you know, and it's amazing. And the best thing about it is they like me because I've been me and I've been 100% me in my whole career, my whole life. And that's the best thing about it. That's that's only come from being transparent, hasn't it? And being yeah. yourself and, and 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 doing those things. It's a it's a mature thing to be like. Most people, I, d I don't think, get there, uh, Dan, until they're fucking in their thirties, forties, fifties, and they're constantly battling with who they are. Um, and that's why I think people fall in love with Dave is just because he he almost makes it okay for for anyone to be to just be open, be themselves. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, you've obviously had an amazing career. Um, and I'm guessing a lot of that was during your peaks of depression as well. So what, what is it like? I know that fighters are complex creatures. Like I have so many friends that are fighters as well. And they, you've got to stay away from them at certain weeks at camp. Right. And you've got, to, you've got to really tread on eggshells around a lot of them. It's almost as if a lot of fighters suffer with what you were suffering with as well. Um, what's it like being in camp and going through, you know, and having those demons? Well, I'll tell you about three different fights so you can get an insight into what my camp was like in my life at the time. So I accepted the Dylan White fight on three-week notice. So at this time, 
I had a partner that I was with for five years. And she just caught me out having an affair with a bird that I've been seeing for three months. So that's all that's all unraveling. Well, I've got three weeks out for Dylan White. So I'm going to the gym in the morning, texting two women, yeah. The longest three weeks of my life. That was so that's one camp there. That was horrific. But, but in that camp, in that camp, are you not thinking I'm a what am I doing here? I'm about I'm thinking, fucking going or are you not thinking anything? I'm thinking I'm not even thinking about the fight at this point, to be honest. I'm thinking which woman am I gonna be with? Are they both going to kill me in my sleep <laughs> all night? What on earth is going off? It was horrific. Two fantastic women. And you know what? And as I got older, I don't think I've learned as I got older. Boxing was great to me, but I threw away some of the greatest things in my life, including them two, you know? So while I'm training for Dylan White, I had two weeks to train anyway, but fuck me, that was stressful as anything. And then the day of the fight, I gambled the whole purse away. I realised what I was getting, calculated the manager trainer fee, calculated everything else. I thought, right, about 12 grand. Spunked it all at Chelmsford on the way to the fucking venue. Got to the venue, I'm boxing Dylan White for free. You know, walking to the ring thinking, I'm doing this for free. I'm going to fucking try and win because it's a scrap, but fucking hell. So anyway, the second one was the Lucas Brown fight. So seven weeks before the Brown fight, the first three weeks of camp, I'm in Leeds in the B&B with Mick Martin training. So on the, after the third week, yeah, I've gone home for the weekend. And um, so I've got a different group at this point. We're not getting on very well. Lost my head. I said to Mick, text Mick, Mick, I ain't fucking coming back. I ain't training. So I've gone to Mick's bird's house, the one from before. I locked myself in her house for a week and I never left. I didn't text anyone back. I didn't text Mick back. I went and talking to Danny. When I don't talk to Danny, there's something wrong. Danny's ringing me. Turn my phone off. So I'm at my ex-bird's house for five days. Then I ring Darren Barker. Darren, can I come to London and have a week with you, mate? And just do a bit of training, but can I just come down and get out of the way? And that's how the Darren Barker relationship started. So I locked myself in my ex-bird's house and refused to leave. No, she was all right with me being there, I want to make that clear. But I refused to leave. Wouldn't talk to no one. <laughs> and that's when I started training with Darren Barker because... But why was that? Why we get out of the area why, I was in? Why was it? Why did you feel like you needed to lock yourself in your bears for a week? Because I was going to fucking kill some bastard. That's why. I was fucking ra- just... I was raging, yeah. I was... I was I, I was self-harming and stuff like that. And, uh, and 2019, 2019, I was starting to get on top of stuff like that, you know. Uh, <coughs> January that year, I'd shaved me completely bald. You see, for the brown fight, I only had a grade three. You know, just, it was only just <laughs> fucking coming back. Headline the O2 with the ugliest fucking bald head you've ever seen. I was fuming. But, um, and then the David Price fight, again, had a great first five weeks with Darren at Champney Spa. And then one night, I couldn't get an hotel room in London. I'd had a bad weekend with the missus and I sprung down and said, Darren, I'm going home, mate. You're never going to see me in London again. I went home for the last six weeks, never trained. I hardly trained today for price and fucking got absolutely hammered because of it. So there's fucking three and all three. You know, the brown fight, I saved it going to meet Darren Barker, but the other two fucked up completely. I thought by the price fight, you sort of uh, worked shit out and you, you were, you were. You know, I, I remember in the lead up to that, I was thinking, well, no, he is, he is taking this seriously, he is training. I'll tell you what I was doing. So the first five weeks, the, the brown fight, I never had a rest. I was fucked. I was knackered. I was traveling to London training. I was exhausted. I was under 17. Stone said, Darren, I said, I'm going home, Darren. I cannot be fucking arsed coming to London every week. Training your balls. The fight's so far away. I'm knackered. And Darren was like, no, put the phone down and Darren got the train home. <coughs> I said, I just bought an house. I was sleeping on a mattress, didn't even have a TV at the time. I was eating one meal a day to keep my weight down. Sparred once, 
trained Danny for six weeks, turned up for the prize fight and just thought, I'm going to fucking beat Price anyway. And he fucking batted me. So, uh, <laughs> I, even fucking, I even verbally agreed to fucking fight Alexander Povetkin and the lot. I've not training for six weeks. What a fucking idiot I am. But uh, boxing has a great way of bringing you back down to, 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 your, to your knees, you know. It does make you wonder, though, if, if you could have dedicated yourself to just even one camp yeah you know where you went absolutely mad for the whole for the entire duration of it and there were no hiccups no road bumps what version of of dave allen we could see it like it's, it's one of those like things that we, we may never get to see it well like, yeah i used um, to speak tyson fury and Anthony joshua all these people you know where uh, peter fury uh from mccracken all these great people always used to say to me Anthony joshua once said to me about 2013 2014 David, why don't you train? Because you can go on the best heavyweights in the world. And I went, yeah, yeah. I'm 21, 22. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. We'll fight for the world title one day. You know, Tyson Fury, oh, you're one of the best, you're one of the best heavyweights in the world. Why don't you just train and get your head on? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll do that. And I'll do that next year. I'm 25, 26. Yeah, I'll do that soon. Everyone that's seen me in the gym, Adam Boo was going to train me. It was like, you've got unbelievable talent. You've got talent like, like, um, David A, you got, like, you got that kind of talent. And it's like, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it next year. But now I'm 28 and it's gone. But the one thing I will say is some people have great speed, power, strength. They're all attributes. And I believe I had, I had, I had them attributes. I don't think I'd ever been world champion, whatever happened, whatever I had on, but I would have been a lot better than I was. But I've never had the attribute that you need to get out of the bed at six o'clock in the morning, you know, you know, to stay out of the brothel. Just but it's out, weird, Dave. Stopping because... so many birds. I never had the power to do that. But you do have, it's strange when I hear it because you do have ambition and you do have drive and you do have your head screwed on. Yeah. So how does that, why does it that ambition? Because you do have it and you are quite consistent in terms of, you, you have ambition all, yeah. all the time. You, you want to get to somewhere in your life. Yeah. Why does that not translate into into the physical training, into the physical stuff? Is that just, is that just not what you enjoy and therefore were you doing something that you don't actually enjoy? Yeah, and I, I, uh... I love sparring. I love boxing. I fucking hate running. I hate press ups. You know, weights. I hate exercise. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And you know what? I, I don't really. I'm not. Um, <coughs> I'm not an hard man at all. Do you know what I mean? When people say Dave, I'm one of the toughest, hardest men. I think, are you talking about me? You're talking about the same fella. You know, I'm the kind of guy that cries when I stub my toe. I've never been hard. <laughs> you know, the only reason I was ever talking about TZ Open that was pride. Yeah. I was never tough. My lover not a fighter, and that's a million. That's a fight. I won't tell you, soft as shit, you know. But my pride, when it comes to fighting, would never let me down. But I was never a fighter, you know. And everything, of track and field, football, boxing, it all came easy. It all just came easy to me. That's interesting. For someone, for someone that isn't a fighter, and you know, is is quite soft and. It's, it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm astounded how, how far you've actually cut. It's mental. And as you were saying, some of those things that like I, I absolutely hate running. I hate anything that's not sport based. And I have a, I have a struggle. I, I, under, I can actually see it because I have a, I have a struggle with discipline. And my missus is a PT and she'll run around doing all this food preps and way up flipping peanuts and all of this kind of stuff. And I look at her and I'm just like, how do you, how do you do that? Me, and I've, I've got no self discipline. Uh, it comes in moments. Is that so when it, comes to, like, when it yeah. comes to physical stuff, though? Well, even when it came to boxing, you know, like I, I loved sparring. 
I hated the runs. Mm. I hated them. And that's why, as soon as I found an easier way to make money, I was out. Mm. I was absolutely out of it. It's just, it was, it's, um, it's a tough sport, obviously. And like, I, I think it's just a, a big credit to, to Dave that you've managed to have all these fights with, with top, top tier opposition, barely training for them. And you're still in there and giving a good account of yourself. So it's a credit to yourself. Quick question, though, before we get on to fan questions. Which was the fight that either you found toughest in the ring or the one where you thought, oh, I'm not even really sure if I want to fight him. He is a problem. I remember when I came back from the first round, Tony Oak to the corner, yeah? I looked at Mick Mars and my trainer. And I went, my actual words were, this is juiced up to the fucking eyeballs. I said, what the fuck is going off? Um, it was like a force field around him and shrimp. Now, I'm not making no accusations against him. I'm just saying that's how strong he felt. I'm saying this, I said, this, I said, this is fucking juiced up. So I can feel it a mile off. I said, he's strong as fuck. I said, what the fuck is going off? He went, Dave, get your jab going. I thought, fuck, he get me jab going. I said, just punch me, clean in for three minutes. I've got 27 minutes left, Mick. What am I going to do? So I remember after four or five rounds, I had a good round five or six, and I thought, I'm going to get this bastard here, I'm going to get him. Comes out for round seven, fresh the daisy. Then he comes out for round ten, punches me non-stop for a minute, and I get socks on my feet. That fight, there was so many times in that fight, I wanted to sit on the canvas and just start crying. That was how I felt. I literally just wanted to sit down and cry. And just, I was in so much fucking pain. I had concussions. Both my eyes swelled short. I couldn't see for a week and a half. My ears were ringing. They were whistling. My ribs were sore. My arms were sore from emitting me. And then the Monday after the fight, it took me about 12 hours to get home the day after on the train. The, the tunnel was there. The tunnel, tunnel was shut for about four hours. On the thing. I stunk on the train from London to London because I sat next to a radiator. I was sat in my shorts all the way back. There were like six bags around me. I almost thought I was a weirdo. And then... Um, and I couldn't see for like a week and a half. I wish I couldn't see out of one eye because it was swollen short. The other eye was the other eye wasn't great. And then uh, four or five days later, Eddie went, Do you want to fight Nick Webb? And I went, Absolutely, yeah, I do. But uh, <laughs> the Yoke fight was horrific. Yeah. I, I just had the feeling he was juiced up and when the and when the, the band came through two days later, I thought and that's when I started to fall out of love with the game a little bit. So I thought you know, I'm not making no accusations, no accusations against him, but my love of the game went because I had a feel, I felt that way, and then that happened, and I could have made it a no contest, but I just give my purse back. I thought I want to give my money back for a no contest. I thought, why on earth would I do that? You know, everyone just seemed to get battered all around the world. So you're not taking my money, otherwise, but I've just done it all for nothing. But my love for the game started to die that the the, the Monday after the fight. So I thought, what are we playing on a level playing level playing field here or not? I'm not sure. All right, cool. Let's get into um, some fan questions. There's been loads. Um, so I'm going to just have to pick the best ones, I guess. I'll start from the very top. Have you got the same questions as me, Ben? I got the same questions. No, I, I'm not looking at fan questions. You're not? All right. It looks like it's me then. Yeah. Right. I'll start with a juicy one. Do you have one more fight in you at any point? You're 28, so in terms of ages yeah. and mileage... Um, are you retired, retired, or are you Mayweather retired? I have no plans to box any time in the near future at all, you know. Um, I want to, I really want to be able to move on into another chapter of my life, you know. 
go and do something else, be it <coughs> reality TV is an option, madly enough. You know, I want to stay involved in the boxing training, managing fires. Um, I want to go and do something. I've done boxing for 12 years. I gave it a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Uh, I want to do something else. If, it, if 12 months' time comes around and I've not managed to secure a job or things aren't working out, I don't know anything else. You know, that's the honest truth of it. Uh, but I retired because I didn't feel like it was safe to box anymore. So but you do make you do make extreme decisions sometimes, don't you? I'm yeah. not saying this is one. This seems like yeah. a measured one, but yeah. it was only two weeks before I was on the phone to you, and we were discussing where what fights we were looking yeah. at, yeah. whether we could get you in a four-man tournament. You know, there was all sorts going on. Yeah. Obviously, I know what happened, but you're one of those guys that I guess that's why you're almost saying, look, I have to be honest, if something, if it doesn't work out, who yeah. knows? Um, yeah, yeah. It, being completely honest, you know, if uh, even 12 months time I'm skinned, I'm coming back, you know? Yeah. But uh, I'll be honest and say, that's the only reason you'll see me back, you know? So I hope I'm not back. But uh, if, if if needs be, you know, if I need, if I need to keep a roof over my head and boxing's how I'll do it, I'll do it. Uh, what is the proudest punch of your career? You know, the Lucas Brown body shot, yeah? If that was Lomachenko, Tyson Fury, that is the greatest body shot of all time. Because Dave Allen from Doncaster threw it, you don't get no luck. But that is one of the best body shots. I watched that. I watched that. I was in the fourth row watching that. And I remember thinking, as soon as it landed, I was like, ooh. And then you see Lucas Brown sink, and you just knew he wasn't getting back up. It was one of the it best, was, one of the best the body shots in the last 10 years. But it was me, so we don't yeah. get no credit at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Who would win, an 18-year-old Danny Morrow or an 18-year-old Dave Allen? What are we doing? Are we boxing or are we scrapping? We're boxing. Yeah, yeah but once. Yeah. When I was 18, I never even had an amateur fight. When we was the same age now. When I was his age now at 18 and a half, I never had an amateur fight. So I'd have to say him. But if we're scrapping, yeah, just anywhere, I'd punch his curly head clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you have been? Might be a difficult question, actually. What would you have been if you weren't a boxer? You know what people say this all the time, and the honest answer is, I'll probably, I'd probably be dead now, because boxing for me is the one thing. It's been the one constant in my life that I've always said, can't do that because I'm boxing. Yeah. I did try and commit suicide one time. That was the one attempt, and I was fortunate and lucky that it never happened. But boxing has been so good to me in lots of ways, but it really has kept me kept me living, you know. I was never a bad man. I was never a criminal. Never really. I never did anything too too airy or nothing. But I, uh, I think I do genuinely think it's, it's kept me alive, to be honest. So... That was the that the answer I, w I would give. I was being honest about it. I think I think it kept me alive and kept me from uh, kept me from that. To be honest, yeah, I have to say that. Why do you think a lot of fighters stay in the GB setup for so long rather than going pro and, and earning more money earlier? Well, with the GB, I'll tell you a funny story about the GB. I um, the reason I couldn't last up there is I didn't have the discipline. So they said to me, I got a, a letter, you, you've been welcome to GB assessments at 14 stone four. You can be 2% over your weight. So I think I could be 14, 10 or under and I was fine. So I turned up the first assessment at 16 stone 10. 
was like, two and a half stone over your weight, David, what's going on? So I did the first assessment, I passed it, and they said, come back. I came back two weeks later, I weighed 17 stone five. So I put nine pound in two weeks. They asked me to lose three or four pound, I put nine pound on. So I'm there again sparring, I knocked a few of the kids out, but there was 91 kilo, I was chinned a few of them. I sparred Joe Joyce, had a lot of success with Joe, but this was 2012, sparred really well. And um, but I was living in like a, I was living in a flat there, and I did one week of it, and I said I can't do this. So this is prison. It's like prison up there. For a man like me, I like to be free. You know, I, they caught me eating shit a few times. You know, where where the GB flats are, it's brothel central up there, and I just thought I can't. I'm not gonna last two minutes up here. So I turned pro. But you know, the Great Britain squad, they get paid, they get looked after. The training for me, I don't enjoy the, the way they do it up there. It's very hard. All the people I speak to off the GB that was on there and they've turned pro now and they've been pro for a few years to say, I can't believe I stayed there for so long. You know? Really? Yeah, they all say to me, I can't believe I stayed in there for so long. I wish, you know, it was, it was, it was the first thing they say is it was like prison. The second thing they say is, you know, the regiment to box a certain way and not, everyone, not everyone's got that same, that same, uh, you know, regimented style, hands up, you know, in bouncing out of distance, you know. So I think the GB, as many, as many superstars as it's manufactured, I think it's also ruined a few fighters as well. In five years' time, who do you think will be dominating heavyweight boxing? I I think it'd be, uh, I think it'll be Daniel Dubois. I think Dubois's the real deal. Yeah. I think Joe Joyce. I think Joe Joyce is the hardest fight of his career. I think he will be the hardest fight of his career for a few years as well. I think Daniel's exceptional. He's uh, he's like a he's like a robot. Just uh, and uh, he'll he'll do whatever it takes to be the to be the man. You know. A few months ago, I was saying Joe Joyce, and even a few weeks ago, I was saying I think Joe might win. But I look at Daniel now, and he's developing as a man as well. I watched his interviews, and I think this this man he's growing up and. He's so young. He's so yeah. young. I mean, people forget fighting Joe Joyce at his age. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he might have had some easy fights along the way, but yeah. at his age to fight Joe Joyce is a serious fucking thing to yeah. do. He's, he's, Daniel Dubois is a scary man. I sparred Daniel for two rounds when he was 18. I sparred Joe Joyce for four, Fraser Clark for four, and Rob McCracken went, Dave, we've got a kid here. He's only 18. We do two rounds of him. Went, yeah, Sam, get him in. Turn around, Daniel Dubois getting through the ropes. Went, Who the fuck is this? Just done eight rounds and the wire gets through the ropes. Jabbed me head off for two rounds. And I went around yeah. the gym saying, who the fuck is that? I said, who's that? He just battered me. And it was Daniel Dubois. Yeah. And um, I think he's exceptional. And I, and I think, I have to, you know what? I've changed my mind. I think he'll beat Joe. And I think Daniel, I think Daniel will probably, I think he's going to be the proper genuine boxing superstar. And I've seen personality come through as well. You know? Yeah. I watched something the other day and I watched him and I thought, You've been quite funny there, to be honest. Yeah, I, I it's coming, stick, coming out now. I used to give him stick for being quite wooden and having no personality, but watching the other day, and I thought, yeah, I thought, yeah, a bit of personality there. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing it. I think that'll make him a better fight the more he comes out of himself. Definitely. Uh, I've got a, around the same time as then. He was, we were from the same amateur club. He was obviously a junior when I was a senior, but there was just no one his size. Mm. And even then, even at 16, 17 years old, I promise you, he was as big as he is now. Yeah. He was absolutely massive. I remember getting in the ring with him. I remember a few of the boys getting in the ring just to give him rounds. Uh, even cruiserweights, I was a light heavy at the time. But his judging of distance, even for a 16-year-old, yeah. you knew this was going to be someone very, very special. And 
just like you said, he just jabs your head off. He'll just jab your head off. He'll keep his right hand in the hole. I, I, I remember watching him for his career. He was beating the gym and coming through, and I thought, he's a bit stiff. <clears throat> and I was throwing my name in the hat to box him. And I thought, he's beatable. I thought, if I take him a few rounds, I can beat him. I thought, maybe hit him on the chin, I can beat him. I watched him watch Nathan Gorman and how good his feet were. He was in and out of distance. His feet was phenomenal. And I thought, this man is not just a puncher. He's got a fan, he's got a phenomenal jab. He's got one. Of the, I think he's got maybe got the best jab in the division already. You know, while watching yeah. watch Gorman, his feet were in and out of distance. He was making Gorman miss using his feet. This, this is a massive man with great feet. His last fight, he showed he can do, he can put, he can punch to the body. And I just thought, I watched him the last twelve months. I've watched him, and I've just been so impressed with him. And I think, and I, and I, and I think, he, and I think when Tyson hangs him up, I think the war will take over. And I don't see anyone in the minute beating him unless someone else comes through. I don't see anyone beating him at all. Last one is which emo, uh, which opponent did you fear the most going into the fight? <coughs> I never feared any of them. This is boxing, you know. It's boxing, like you know, some uh, Dylan White is a bit scary, you know. Louis Ortiz was a bit scary and he didn't speak no English. He just stared at me and I was like, oh no, what's he thinking? But, you know, he's boxing, this is a sport, you know, and I, I never had a bad feeling for anyone that I boxed. The last fellow that I loved Joe was a bit of a tip, but I did have to remind in the hotel lobby. That was an immature moment of mine. But, uh, but, but I, I, uh, I respect all of them and we're doing each other a favour. If I'm not boxing them, I'm not getting paid, you know, I'm making my living through them. If it wasn't for them, I would be making a living. So I respect all of them. I like the vast majority of them. And even the ones that I didn't like, you know, not, they can't scare me. What are they going to do? They're going to punch me. They're going to punch the boxing match. You know what I've been doing? Well, this is my career. It's my life. So I never feared any of them. But uh, I had trepidation of a few of them. The good ones, the Ortizes, the Whites, the Oakers. I thought it was going to be an hard night. But I wouldn't say I feared any of them. Well, that is the end of the mouthpiece. Um, it's been great having you on. I, honestly, I feel like we've just got a better insight into who Dave Allen is. I feel like you probably would have said a lot of this before, but it, we got it quite condensed here and in depth. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been an honour speaking to you. I wish you all the best for all the future endeavours, all the management, all the fighters, everything. I appreciate yeah, that. Gonna Thank you very much. We're going to have to get you to a few shows as well, Dave. Get your matchmaking for her as I've heard you're a good matchmaker. I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to get a matchmaking job somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Good man. All right. Take care, mate. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.